Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. The kind of messages that God gives to this house are largely structural. Now what do I mean by that? It's like the Lord prepares structure. Without structure, God really cannot move. So Solomon builds the temple. Remember? And what happens? The Bible says, And when he had completed or finished the building, the glory of the Lord filled the house. When does glory fill a house? When the building is completed. If you have the structure prepared, God can fill it. Tell your neighbor, if you have the structure prepared, God can fill it. What I want you to realize is, the kinds of messages we teach you are building messages. We are erecting structure in your life. We are building uh, an edifice. We are establishing protocols and principles that when God looks at, He will realize, here is a solid structure enough for me to fill the vessel, the corporate community, and the personal life with profound expressions of my glory and my grace, and it will not be lost. New wine cannot be poured into old wineskins. The Bible says two things will happen. The skin will tear, and that's destroyed, and the wine lost. God does not want two things. He does not want the structure to tear, lest what he gives to the structure is wasted and, and lost. So the Lord's been saying to me, Randolph, structure your life. Structure your life. So for example, I structure my finances, first fruits, tithes, offerings, and I'm religiously uh, faithful at that. I structure my prayer life. Every morning is not negotiable. And I have to consult God and, and, and pray to the Lord. Okay? I structure my relational life. I don't allow offense to come into my heart. I've learned the principle of um, forgiveness. People hurt me, I forgive immediately. Okay? Uh, I've structured my marriage. I will love my wife as Christ loved the, the church and gave himself for it. So I structure various things. And God sees structure. He says, wow, here is something solid that I can pour a great amount of my presence, my purpose into. Noah built an ark. Everyone says structure. He built an ark for the saving of his house. What he built saved him in the day of judgment. Um, is Noah legitimate in his, in, if Noah has a prayer meeting? Let me ask you this. Picture Noah having a prayer meeting and his request is, God, give me wood, give me wood, give me wood. And will God answer his prayer for wood if he has no intention of building an ark? Resource is only made available to people of purpose. If you can commit to purpose, you unlock the resource of heaven and God will give you what he needs to give you in reference for you to adequately fulfill your task in the earth. Amen? So I say this because I know God's going to give us a building. Yes? God's going to give us a building. We need it desperately, guys, by the way. Okay, we need it desperately. Right? 
for this learning institute, right? So tell your neighbor structure, right? So build structure. We want to build structure. I want to speak, having said that, I want to speak now of how grace impartation happens in nearness to, of you, to your spiritual father. Everyone say nearness. Nearness. I want to speak about nearness. For me, it's structural because it's a position that you adopt in your life. If that position is not in your life, there's, it, it compromises the flow of things that God can give to you. Many people doubt the father-son wineskin. And I've labored in this extensively. I don't want to repeat myself here. But I will encourage you to uh, access the grace teachings in its earliest on the first and second CDs on the table, and you'll see the biblical basis for this. Everyone needs a father in their lives to which you are accountable, to whom you can submit your life, one that God, that God can use to speak into your life, one that God can use to speak the word of the Lord to you so that the Christ can be fully formed in you. Moses, or rather, Joshua needs Moses. Yeah? Elisha needs Elijah. Ruth needs Naomi. Yeah? Esther needs Mordecai. Timothy needs Paul. John Mark needs Peter. Right? John, Peter was John Mark's father in the Lord. Everybody needs somebody. Tell you about everybody needs somebody. Right? Everybody needs somebody. This biblically, the, 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 the structural principle in the Bible is that every man of God significantly used by God at any point in human history always had to submit to someone in their lives that God placed over them, not with the view of hierarchical domination, but it's an oversight position that helps the person to mature into the into the nature of Christ and fulfill the purposes of Christ. We call that the father-son wineskin. Spiritual father with a spiritual son. Grace impartation, listen carefully, the most profound uh, quantities and qualities of the grace of God flow in that economy. Flow in that economy. Right? You could get grace beyond it, but you will never be so enriched according to the measure that God has in store for you, unless you fully submit to that process. Now, it's not just saying, well, I have a father. My pastor is my spiritual father. Now, you must observe all the protocols and principles that are attached to that process for you to be thoroughly grace-enriched. I want to make mention of John Alley's book, which we, I brought about 30 or 40 copies from the last ALS. The book on sonship. How many of you have a copy? I brought about 30 copies. It should be more people having copies. Right? It's a powerful book on this, this principle. If you like the book, it's, it's freely downloadable from his website as well in PDF format. John Alley is one of the keynote speakers now at the, at the next ALS. Okay? And he speaks as a apostolic theologian, not just from his vantage point of having thoroughly prosecuted the scriptures, but he speaks as one who is a senior man in Christ, and he has walked the path of this. 
And he says things like this. People claim that they're in the apostolic, in the apostolic season. But he said a critical component of the season is the love that a spiritual father has for a spiritual son. And the love that a spiritual son has for a spiritual father. This he calls a quintessence of things apostolic. It's like not negotiable. It's not optional. It's not given to choice. And he's, I like what he said. It might not be obligatory. You're not obliged to do it. No one's forcing anybody. But he did say, you will be all the more richer for it. Love that. It's not, no one's under any obligation, but you will be all the more richer for it if you engage the principle. Amen. And I hope that I demonstrate this by my devotion to my spiritual father to you. Okay. Um, and I, I try to demonstrate this practically in, in more ways than one. Now, now, yes, remember last week's lesson? If I verbally pronounce something over you, it's a reality. Amen? If I say peace to you or grace to you, if you understand uh, the, the principles that God has set forth in the mouth of His spokespersons to those that they lead, then when I pronounce you are blessed, you are blessed. It's not that you are not blessed because in Christ you are already blessed in Christ Jesus with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But like I demonstrated, blessing must become activated. Question, was Abraham blessed in Genesis 12, verse 1 and 2? Yeah, God said to him, I bless you. I make of you a great nation. Them that bless you, I bless. Them that curse you, I curse. That's Genesis chapter 12. But in Genesis 14, after the defeat of the kings, he came with the spoil and he blessed his father in the Lord, Melchizedek, with these tithes and offerings. Remember? And what did, what did Melchizedek? Melchizedek blessed him. Right? Now, why? I mean, he did, not, he did not say, no, 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 no. Don't worry, bro. Don't worry. It happened in Genesis 12 already. He said, yes, I receive it. What he's saying is, my already blessed positional reality is going to be activated by me observing certain practical things in my life that unearth and activate the blessing. Okay? They unearth and activate in the blessing. Genesis 17, 18. When he, when he sacrificed or was willing to sacrifice Isaac, remember? What did God say to him? Abraham, now I know what's in your heart. See, indeed, now I will bless you. Now. It will say now. But did God say in Genesis 12, I will bless you? But the man had to comply. The man had to uh, uh, cooperate with divine intent. He had to comply by practical obedience of certain things. And what happens? I believe this. Every step of obedience is an activation of an already established truth for you. Yeah? Otherwise, we must take Genesis 28 and delete it. Genesis 28, the blessing and cursing chapter. If you obey me, all of these things. In blessing, I will bless you. Blessed shall you be in the city, in the field, your basket, your the womb, your kneading, your downsitting, your uprising. God pronounces blessing on the man that obeys. But if you disregard principle, you can't say, I'm positionally blessed. Therefore, I can do my own thing and still get the result. That's a fallacy. That's deception. Yeah? Talk to Gahazi. Right? 
Now, if we accept this, one of the principles I want to quickly do with you is dwelling near. Everyone say dwelling near. Amen. Amen. The father-son principle is our core doctrine of this local fellowship. So now, I want to encourage you, are you near or are you far in reference to this doctrine? How close are you? And I'll unpack this as we go. I won't finish by the looks of time, but I'll unpack this. This is going to bless you tremendously if you listen with the ears and the eyes of the Spirit. Okay? Uh, first text, Mark chapter 3, verse 13, quickly. Mark 3, 13 and 14. He went up on the mountain and he summoned those whom he himself wanted. Did he select the twelve? Yes or no? Remember before his selection of them, he spent the whole night in prayer. Consulting his father as to the accuracy of the decision. Not so. And the Bible says, and they did what? Everyone say, they came to him. So there must be a coming to the leader. I'm drawing principles from this concerning fathers and sons, right? Uh, there must be a coming. Everyone say, there must be a coming. So there must be an approach. There must be a drawing near, right? Verse 14, it says, when he appointed 12... What was the primary uh, focus of the appointment? What does it say? He appointed 12. Why? So that they would do what? Is it, it says so that they would be with him and that he could do what? Send them out to? To preach. Is the sending out to preach first or second? It's second. What's the primary thing? Okay, the, in the order of things is they must first be with him in order for them to be sent out. So as I continue this message, church, please realize this. If I'm speaking about nearness to uh, spiritual fathering or the, your leader or the person that God has put in your life to whom you must be accountable, remember, it is not to deify or focus on the person per se. There is a purpose to be accomplished in your sphere, right? In your world where you live, you have the purpose of God to be accomplished. So we come here to this house to be fine-honed, to be chiseled. This is like the quarry of Solomon's temple. Remember, uh, there, was no, there wasn't the sound of a hammer, the Bible says. No sound of the hammer on the temple site. Where were all the stones chiseled? In the quarry, they were chiseled to specks, to size, and they were transported to the temple site where the temple was being built and simply placed one stone next to each other according to certain dimensions and proportions. So the local church is like the quarry. Yeah. Yeah, you can hear the sound of a hammer. Yeah, we chisel you, chop you away, right? Prepare you, right? So that when you go out there into the world, you are prepared to do the master's business, okay? Effectively in according and be a witness as a king in the kingdom of your father, winning people for God. Amen? That's, that's the process. So he chose 12, and the primary focus was that they might be with him. The word with you is the Greek phrase meta. Everyone say meta. I like this word. Eh? It's an intensely profound Greek word. It's a simple word, meta, and, and it literally means uh, with, it literally means to accompany it implies accompaniment or proximity. It also means companionship and fellowship. Companionship 
and fellowship. So it implies deep companionship and fellowship. Fellowship is not socialization. You can socialize with a view to fellowship, but socialization does not automatically imply fellowship. Fellowship, koinonia, the Greek word means, there's a deep exchange of the grace of Christ from one person to the other in the exchange. Right? Deep exchange. You will see this, for example, in Galatians, don't turn to it, but in Galatians 2, 8 and 9, it says, Peter says, or rather, Paul says, Barnabas and I came to Antioch. Peter, James, and John, remember the three inner circle, the three closest to the Lord, Peter, James, and John, it says, Paul says, when they perceived the grace of God given to me, they extended to Barnabas and I the right hand of? That's not welcoming people to a church. Right hand of fellowship means these three, although they walked with Christ for three and a half years, they saw things that not even the other nine disciples saw, like the Mount of Transfiguration. So these three were privy to some things the other nine did not. They were the closest to, like the Mount of Transfiguration, the raising of, of Peter's mother-in-law, etc. They saw certain things. They were the closest. But although Paul is the Johnny-come-lately apostle, right? he, he, he wasn't part of the twelve. He persecuted the church. He's a new apostle on the block, and he's claiming to know the mystery of God, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the church, and the mystery of the body of Christ, all revealed to him and not to them. Although they walked with the Lord for three years, you know what these discerning apostles realized? The Bible says they perceived the grace of God in Paul and they extended to Paul the right hand of? Give, we, what, what they realized, hey guys, we walked with the Lord, but this guy got some stuff. He got some knowledge, he got some insights that was not given to us. So we need to participate in but it all comes by perception. Everyone say perception. You see, the grace that you don't perceive, you will not receive. You're going to perceive what is given to a man, to fellow, and your fellowship with him is one of strength. What does the right hand speak of? It's not, it, she didn't give him the left hand of fellowship. Some people give the left hand. The left hand, biblically, is the weak hand. No indictment upon anyone that is left-handed, please. I'm not talking naturally, now I'm talking. Come on, do you understand, church? Yeah? I have said to my heart, Randolph, you need to give your father in the Lord, not a left hand of fellowship. I want to I give more right hand than I've ever given before. Amen? Come on, tell you now, give your right hand. Let's give your all, give your strength. And listen carefully, because as you do this, you are going to be the beneficiary of grace download to you that is literally designed to bless you. Amen. It's going to override most of your weaknesses. You know, I've learned a lot from my Father in the Lord. I am deeply, deeply grateful. Deeply grateful. You're going to be blessed significantly. I've been blessed by virtue of of my own engagement before the Lord, my pursuit of God privately and personally. But I cannot tell you the quantum of blessing I have come into and the richness of experience by simply engaging more, more definitively, more purposefully. 
the principle of drawing near. To be honest, can I be honest? The only reason why I'm traveling the nations is because of that commitment. It's the only reason. I would not travel the destinations I am doing now outside of my Father in the Lord. It's come because of that. Right? So much, and I'm, I'm richer for, for it. Amen? I'm richer for it. His example of faith, I'll, I'll show you next week how Paul, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, Remember those who led you and who spoke to you the word of God. It says, after considering the end of their conversation or their lifestyle, it says, follow their faith. Follow their faith. And my faith has been tremendously challenged by the faith in my father. This is a man of great faith. Right? <laughs> so it's tremendously impactful. Acts 4.13. Uh, now, because the apostles were with Christ, at one point in, the, in Acts, they were called to give account before Sanhedrin's and councils. This happened about twice, I think, in the whole book. In this instance, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and they what? They understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed. They were amazed at Peter's answer. And they could not reconcile the fact how is it you talk the way you do, and the Bible says with boldness before Jewish councils. How is it you talk the way you do with such grace, with such revelation, and we cannot reconcile the fact that this goes way, 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 and I'm stressing it, way, 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 way beyond your level of education and your training theologically. You're talking beyond natural potential. Your speech and your speaking is beyond uh, what learning institutions could give to you. And they, they, then they somehow concluded. Everyone say they concluded. What was the conclusion? They recognized them as having been with Jesus. Two applications here. Don't ignore your personal time in prayer. Secondly, don't ignore your personal time in the Word of God. I can't tell you what comes forth from those moments. Amen? Come on, who loves your personal time with the Lord? Eh? It's, I, can't, I, can't, I can't stress enough. Don't allow the busyness of this life to dictate your time with God. And don't give Him the, the end product thereof. When you can squeeze Him in every now and then. Give God the best of your time. Amen? Hallelujah? Come on, these are... You see, things... Apostolic can become so highfalutin that we forget the basics. The basics is time with Jesus. Yeah? Tell your neighbor, don't neglect your time with the Lord. I can't, you know, I can't, brethren, I, if I have to stop here, then I can stop here. If, if I can get everyone here, all of you, 100 out of you here, leaving this room this week saying, uh, I'm going to take that one thing Randolph said. I'm not going to miss time with God every day. Yeah? Yes, come on, say yes. You see, if we're going to build globally, the base must be very strong. Things on the ground, solid marriages, solid devotion, people that love God, people that are praying every day, people that are in the Word every day, you've got to have that solid base. And let me just say this, if you spend time with Jesus, 
guess what? You're going to start to operate way, way beyond natural limitations. Uh, your training might say to you, so far I know further. But you say, but I've been with Jesus. Your education might say to you, so far and no further. People, and you can serve yourself, but I've been with Jesus. Tell your neighbor, be with him. He's our focus. He's chief. He's our king. Amen. Do not neglect that. The secondary application in terms of extracting the principle is this. Jesus here represents the head of the twelve. Peter and John were, and I like this. Remember there were Peter, James, and John who were the closest to the Lord. Who was the closest of those three? John, right? Where was John's head all the time? John's head was always on the head or the bosom or the chest of Jesus, always. And John is described as the disciple that Jesus loved. There was John, there was the three, Peter, James, and John. Then there was the other nine, right? The other nine of the, of the group. Can you see they're all three at different phases of proximity? Then you get the 70. Remember the 70? The Bible says he chose 70 to go out into every village to preach, to cast out demons. Not so? Right? And remember then there was the, the 120 of the day of Pentecost. Remember? And remember in John 6, there was the 5,000, but the 5,000 left him because they could not understand one statement he said in his Bible study. All he said is, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. They said, hey, this is a hard saying. And the Bible says they, they left, right? Now, let me just say this. This is a very serious message for this house. Come on, church, work with me here. Where are you? Where are you, if the leader is here, are you the John, are you the Peter, James, and the John, are you the other nine, right? Are you part of the, the 70, the 120? I hope nobody's part of the 5,000. The multitude, the multitude only follows, Jesus said, you are only here for the fish and for the bread. You're only here to see how can this ministry help me live better and live a successful life, have my needs met, and that's all for me. But I'm not going to make any contribution. You see, come back here to Jesus. Does Jesus have a purpose? Yes? Does he have a mission? Is he on assignment? I want us all to be purpose-oriented. Yeah? So the dwelling near, the dwelling near, now must translate more to, to purpose. Okay? You see, Peter and John are referenced here. And they were closest of the group, John being the closest. And the level of proximity transformed these guys from ordinary fishermen, uneducated, untrained, to be the recipients of profound things from Christ and the ability to articulate it and to defend the gospel with such words that bamboozle the most sophisticated minds of their day. Yeah. So whenever you're close to the Lord, you don't operate in your own strength. You go there being armed by the grace of the Lord, and so you, you function. Amen. Come on, just slap your neighbor and say, there are better days ahead for you. And not literally now, right? <laughs> there are better days for you. 
There are better days, but I want you, gee, time is really against us. I want you to, to really just draw near, just come near. You know, I won't get to the implications. You have to come back next week for the implications of this message. <laughs> I'm just casting the, I'm just casting the template here, right? But it will literally, you know, I've seen this firsthand, brethren. If ever you want an example, look at me. Look at my example. And see how that access to the grace of Christ vested in apostolic fathering can change your life forever. Can transform you and take you to function way, way beyond what you could ever dream or hope for in the natural. Amen. Uh, one example more. Uh, I've got four or five examples. Yeah, but we'll never get through them. Genesis 45 verse 10. We'll just do one more and then we'll wrap up. I'm on page 9 of 25 pages. <laughs> right? We'll just do one example here. What did I say? Genesis 45. This is Joseph speaking to Israel. You will live in the land of Goshen. You will live in the land of Goshen. And you shall be what? I like, you know, these words simply come alive to me. It says, you will be near me. I will encourage you to do a word search on things like close to, near, right? Or intimate, proximate, in terms of leaders and, and followers. You'll see amazing technology come out of that, right? So Joseph says, you will be near me, you and your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. Now, was Joseph the Savior? Was Joseph their Savior? Yes. The Joseph is akin to Jesus. The names mean similar. Salvation belongs to the Lord or Yahweh saves. Right? Now, what was the proviso for their sustenance? What was the requirement? You guys, I mean there's reconciliation, they forgave each other. And he uses his influence to put them in the best land in Egypt. Goshen was the best part of Egypt. It was the most lush. It was the most fertile, the most enriched. The best place to live anywhere in Egypt would be Goshen. So after the reconciliation, how many were there, by the way? How many people did Jacob come down with when he left Israel to come and the and their, their reconciliation with the brothers? Seventy at least, right? What is the biblical significance of the number seventy? Global, it was a global mentality, right? Global mentality, right? Uh, it's also reference to leadership, right? Remember Moses chose the 70 elders of, of Israel, not so? So it's, it's, it's a position of global mentality, 70 people, groups represented. Um, and it's, it's, it's the mindset is we're going to take the world. So he puts them. In the land of Goshen, and there's a principle here if that if you can dwell near the leader that God has positioned in your life for that time, that you will experience Goshen. Goshen literally means approaching or drawing near. Amazing. I'm not making this up. Check it out. The word Goshen means drawing near or approaching. Right? It means drawing near or approaching. So if you can maintain intimacy 
or nearness, then you could have, you could experience preservation, you can experience breakthrough, and an insulation of the famine. Right? An insulation of the famine. The reconciliation with the brothers happened in the second year of the, se the, second year of the seven year famine. There were still five years of famine ahead of them. Right? And so in the nick of time, God ensured that they, were, they had immunity. They had immunity. Okay? Now, is the world about to go into great financial famine? Yes or no? I think so. Unlike we've never seen before. God's going to shake systems. I don't have the time to prove this to you from the Scriptures, brethren. But the city of the living God, which are you. Right? Is the church called the city of the living God? Yes or no? We are called the city of the living God. My personal view is this. The city of the living God will have immunity. The kingdom of God does not know junk status. It might be a world applicable principle, but it, there's no junk status in the kingdom. Right? The kingdom got its own system, its own economy. There's never been, that's why I, I, I want to sow seeds to it. There's never been a more better time to invest in the kingdom as it is right now. Never been. God's going to shake earthly systems and people can lose a lot of money by investments, etc. Because there's no guaranteed protective mechanisms around those, those mechanisms. But in the kingdom, God says that if you honor Him, if you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, these things, it won't say things, these things will be added unto you. The Bible is awash with this principle. That every major famine that took place in the scripture, God always preserved his people. Always. Guaranteed. Now, uh, we're going to study kingdom economics, maybe toward the latter part of this year. I don't know when we're going to get to it. I'm just waiting for the green light from the Lord. Pastor Thalma is also coming in sometime in this year to do a conference with us. It would be wonderful to have him. And I want, I want him to speak on kingdom economics issues. Okay? Why are we doing this? What are we doing, church? We are cooperating with our prophecy. If the prophecy says you guys are going to be financially blessed, please just remind your neighbor because we forget. Find the person next to you. You're going to be financially blessed. Hey, don't we have a, don't we have a wonderful family? Just look around and say we have a powerful family here. Yeah? Amen? Come on, tell your neighbor we have a powerful family. And you know, you know, listen carefully, guys. Listen carefully. We must understand why God's going to bless us financially. It's not for personal self-indulgence. We understand purpose. We understand that we have nations to, to impact. You know, most, if Africa, mainly Africa is our inheritance, right? Whenever I pray, Lord, give me Africa. Give me Central Africa, right? Most of the nations are poor where we go. We have to literally go and say, we've come to bless you. Come to bless you spiritually, bless you economically. That's my heart, amen? And so I want to encourage us that uh, this, this is going to happen. So going forward, part of my own personal study now, Please work with me. and I want you to study what I study. All of you are giving an assignment. Study every major famine. Just look. Take up your concordance. Look for famine. There's like several in, in Genesis. Even in the New Testament, there's famines. Study famine and see what happened globally. St study two things. Why did God allow the famine? Because there was always spiritual purpose attended with what God was doing. And what measures 
did the people of God put in place to ensure their sustenance? And for some of them, they came out even better. Yeah. You know what one thing gripped my heart while I was typing this response? Was the famine in Judea in the book of Acts. Yeah? Remember it says, and there was a famine prophesied by the prophet Agabus. And you know what happened? The Bible says, the brethren at Jerusalem gathered relief offerings. Yeah? And they sent it down to them by the hands of the brethren or the elders. And the relief offerings were sent down to help them relieve the pressures of the famine. Okay? So when the question was posed, what guarantee do you have that there's no junk status in the kingdom? If in the kingdom of God we function as family and we function by the principle of community, and if that is thoroughly entrenched, even if some of us are going to go through dark times, guess what? You belong to a community where the, the, the abundance in one sector automatically relieves the scarcity in another sector. Huh? That's why I encouraged you. Isn't God faithful? He taught us hospitality. He taught us how to be aware of the needs in the other. Right? And I want to encourage you. The kingdom guarantees survival. Not even survival. Sustenance. Right? You'll be well taken care of because you've come into a kingdom realm. Amen? That does not know diminishment. Amen? So, but a lot of it's going to be contingent Upon your commitment to the principle of dwelling near. Dwelling near. Okay, I have much, much more to say on this. But I submit to you. Please listen to me. I want to make a prophetic, prophetic pronouncement over this congregation. You are in a land called Goshen. This congregation, I'm saying apostolically, prophetically, we are living in a land in the spirit called Goshen. It's a land flowing with plenty, but it's near Joseph. It's near the leader. Proximity, when I say near, I'll explain later on. One of the issues of proximity is observing all the principles of the Word of God. You see, near can be an abstract concept, but one of the practical dimensions. You are as near to me. I'll show you next week. You are as near to me. It's not talking about physicality. I'm not talking about physical proximity. Your nearness is determined by the degree to which you observe the principles of God's Word. Show you that. That's how near. Because some people can be very close physically, but far spiritually. Okay? So are you ready to dwell near? Amen? Come on, lift your hands. I'm just going to pray a blessing over you. If you listen to the message from last week, you will know exactly what's about to transpire in the next minute. If you listen to last week's message... Lift up your hands and receive it. Amen. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you with the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and brings no sorrow with it. Pestilence will not come near you or your family. No famine shall befall you. If you have to go through it, the Lord your God, your Father will sustain you. The Lord bless you today and increase you and multiply you a thousand times more than your brothers. The Lord make you rich in every dimension. The blessing of your Father overwhelm you. Even now, 
I just sense, may the love of your heavenly Father become a reality to you as a revelation in your spirit in terms of how deeply and affectionately He loves you. He does not delight to see your demise, but He rejoices to see your success. I remind you what your Father says to you today, that He delights in the prosperity of His servants. God delights for you. His will for you, He has plans for you to give you a hope and a future and an expected end. I bless you now in the name of the Lord. I decree that you will, you're living in a land in the spirit called Goshen where you will be preserved from the ravishing effects of famine all around you, but it will not come near your dwelling because the word of God is priority to you. God's word is central to you. Your love for the Lord is central. Therefore, the Lord says, I delight to rescue you. That's what David says. He delights to rescue me. My father delights in preserving me. Thus saith the Lord to you. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.